1: Hey, this is
3: Annie, and welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. In the past few episodes, Samantha and I have been discussing therapy. We even went through therapy sessions on air, which was so scary. Very. <laughs> But we know that therapy isn't an option for everyone. And there are plenty of other ways to cope. And honestly, there are ways to cope on top of therapy, even if you can afford it or if it is a good fit for you. And we've discussed what bad coping looks like. So in this episode, we want to look at ways of good coping. And some trigger warnings before we get into it. Sexual assaults, mental health, and substance abuse. And okay, so basics. And yes, uh, as should be obvious, Samantha and I are both aware that these basics are easier said than done. So getting good sleep, eating a healthy amount of healthy food, drinking a lot of water, doing something active, meditation, taking time to do an activity for yourself, reading, writing, sharing with your support group how you're feeling, how you're doing, making time to hang out with friends. I'd say having check-ins with yourself, setting goals and being honest about how you're doing, what you could improve on. Um, those are all examples of good coping, taking care of yourself. Right. For me personally, um, writing, hiking, playing games with friends, um, cooking while listening to music, making costumes or other projects like that. Um, those are things that I do. I also have rules in place around... Social media, when I'll interact with it, and when I stop engaging with electronics at night so that
4: I will hopefully sleep. Oh, well, you we have more discipline than I do because I can't do that. <laughs> I just keep wanting to play Candy Crush. I have never played Candy Crush. Crush. Really? Yeah. I'm a dork, I think. No,
3: you're, you're talking I? to a dork. Oh, that's I'm right. going to tell that's you. Right. I, I forgot. <laughs> One thing we heard from people as we did this project. We would ask them about how they, what are their methods of good coping. A lot of people told us that their experience um, kind of working through it with artwork or through journaling or writing. We spoke with Jessica Caldus, who has channeled her experience with sexual assault into
4: art. Right, as in fact, she just recently had her MFA show, I believe. Yeah, Um, And it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see it. I just saw pictures of it, which I'm really sad about. Um, it was called Living Hysterically, and I l- like the whole concept, which she talks about later, is fantastic. I also actually um, got to know her. I'll say that in quotes because she didn't know me. I just <laughs> knew her. Um, when I was at a screening at Brave Miss World, which if you've never seen this is a film of about a woman. I think she was Miss World, essentially, and she was um, involved in sexual assault, and then she came out, and all of the things that she had to go through, to prove her point essentially and prove her case and get justice. It was a fantastic film. But it was featured, um, by a non profit here in Atlanta called Athena's Warehouse, which is a fantastic Uh, program that works with underserved teen girls. And it was a fantastic film. And she actually came on to talk about her personal experiences, as well as her artwork and how it was important for her. And then later advocated with the founder of the nonprofit, who is one of our state representatives. She's just an awesome person who has a lot of heart and is
2: just a powerhouse when it comes to advocating. Most of my work deals with women's issues and primarily what I'm most known for is gender-based violence. So that can be domestic violence, it could be sexual assault, it could be sort of everyday violence like things we experience on the street or sexisms or like the kinds of things that aren't so normalized that we think of them as nothing even though they really are something. So I started making artwork about these stories and and it was artwork for many reasons because Uh, for me as an artist, it's how I process the world and understand the world. Um, But also I kind of instinctively knew that art can function as a way to share stories and talk about things that are really hard. Um, And so that's what I did. I started making artwork about these stories. And this is sort of a lead up to the work I'm currently doing, which is much broader. Right? Um, At that time it was like all domestic violence all the time. (laughs) But now, you know, the issues I'm addressing really, they get broader because um, because when you start in one place, what you find is that there's all of these other things that intersect, right? Um, you know, part of domestic violence is often sexual assault. Um, part of, you know, normalizing violence in an everyday way is the way we normalize sexism and small microaggressions and things like that, Um, not to mention, of course, like thinking about other issues that are tied into it um, that are broader than women's issues like criminal justice system or race or (laughs) class or things like that. I started making work specifically about sexual assault in 2016. And um, so almost right after that session with uh, the rape kit bill um, was the 10-year anniversary of my rape. I happened to have an exhibition that I had curated. Um, It had my own work. It had work of many different women. And the whole exhibition was dealing with themes of intimacy and sex and education and love. And, like, thinking about how all of these things work together in, like, negative and positive ways. And the idea was to have... Um, different artists approaching these different themes from different perspectives, but also working and partnering with organizations and advocates and having panels and discussions. And um, it was sort of a at that point, the culmination of this idea I had that art was a way to create space for conversation um, and, and really hard conversation and sort of make it easier. And so in um, that exhibition happened to fall... You know, it was like a month and a half long, but um, the the 10-year anniversary of my rape happened to fall within that exhibition. So I decided I was going to do this performance piece. The performance piece was going to talk about my experience with trauma and recovery, because I was really interested in this point. Also, like, not just representing trauma, which is super important, and talking about, like, different kinds of stigmatized, like, issues in a public way is super vital, and that could be enough for me for the rest of my art career. But I'm really interested in recovery, too, especially because for me, recovery has been this, like, super rocky path. Like, for years, I didn't even call what happened to me rape. Like, I just didn't even talk about it. I didn't think about it. I didn't call it anything, you know. Um, and, and then I, like, sort of— Dealt with it a little bit and I tried to go to therapy and then it was like a little bit better, but I definitely was still engaging in some like less than healthy behaviors as like sort of a you know just dealing with it. One of my like, favorite pieces that I haven't done in a long time is this like durational piece where I make a chalk X every 107 seconds wherever I go for usually like a month <laughs> because that's how frequently sexual assault or attempted sexual assault occurs in the U.S. And so it was the projects I had been doing had been these sort of like broader, um, you know, statistics-based but still educational projects. And this was the first sexual assault piece that I did that was like, this is about me and what happened to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and what I found is that actually people really responded to that in a different way. Like I had gotten good and really interesting responses to other work, but – for whatever reason, something personal actually opens up a window into the work that I thought would be closed off um, by making it so personal. What I'm trying to do is create a space that people enter and kind of open up to, somewhere where they, they can confront these ideas that they may not agree with or they may not understand completely um, and be given space to, like, challenge themselves, think about how they think about these things, ask questions, and just like kind of visually understand it through this like embodied experience. So coping skills when I'm in the studio or working on projects or advocating, they range. And sometimes I am better than other times. Like you said, it like can be really hard to take care of yourself when you, you have this like, feel like this pressure to like, I gotta keep doing this work because it's important. it needs to happen. Um, But I I think the first thing was like, I got better at like recognizing when I just needed to stop for a minute or like a day or like, you know, I've been working on this for three hours, I can go work on something different. Um, And so just even like, knowing when I'm just tired and, and being able to, like, say, okay, it's okay to be tired. I can go work on something else. Um, and then having something else to work on. For a long time, this was, like, the only kind of work I was making in my studio. And that um, that actually did get really hard. My relationship with both recovery and trauma changes constantly. So, you know, um, even this past year with um, with Me Too and then later... Kavanaugh, <laughs> right. I I had some really different reactions to both of those particular like big news items th- the things that I hadn't experienced in a long time um, me too was a little bit less heavy like I found in some ways like I was able to embrace that a little bit more because I was hearing stories from friends and people that I had not ever heard before um, and a function of my work is that people often disclose to me just people I don't know, people I know, whatever. So hearing news stories from people I'd know who had never talked to me before was, like, kind of novel and, like, did that whole, like, empowering, like, oh, we're hearing each other's stories and we have power and there's, like, recognition and, like, a feeling of community in this. But I was much less able to do that when the Kavanaugh hearings happened. And I actually ended up retreating really, um, really, like, into myself during that, period because um, I think partly I had just finished the installation of that piece, and then this Kavanaugh stuff was happening, and I was just like, this is too much. Right. <laughs> I can't handle this. I'm, like, having trouble getting out of bed. Right. So I basically, like, turned off the news, which I think people sometimes, like, criticize folks for doing this, and um, and I definitely talked to other folks who, like, felt like they had to say something or they had to engage um especially if you're like already vocal about these issues then people kind of expect you to <laughs> right. and that's a lot of pressure on a situation that can already be really hard so i you know i i figured out a while ago that i like giving into that pressure is not healthy and not good for me right. so i was like nope peace out jessica also found support in the community I'm in this collective now, Ooh. this collective of women, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> this art collective. It. And we uh, we formed officially last year. We're called Living Melody Collective. And it's actually this um, – it's five artists. I'm one of them. And we have been working together for years on different projects. Um, and we sort of made it official last year. And it's been literally one of the healthiest things I've ever done for myself. These women are incredible. We have, like, the same values, care about the same – issues we all come from super different backgrounds but you know everyone's just so open we're like super vulnerable with each other and and a lot of us all except for one of us we're all mothers so there's something in that connection as well and it's like honestly I get like very emotional I've talked about this at a couple of things and every time I get a little teary because these women are like they have become like this source for me of support and like they just hold space for we I mean we all do for each other and it's just there's an, I haven't experienced something this healthy you know outside of my like family you know in a really long time. And it's incredible. So mm, that's awesome. So we're making work together too. It's well, just was for that too. The point. <laughs> Do you guys have like a site or anything that they use? Yeah, post it's on? actually attached to mine. But the easiest thing is actually to watch us on Instagram. Ooh. So it's the at Living Melody Collective.
3: You'll be hearing more from Jessica in future episodes. But for now, that's one example of good coping. And we have another one for you. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. <music> Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we are back with some clips from an interview we did a while back with two other women that you turned me on to, Samantha. Yeah,
4: um, she and her wife, Michelle, started a group that pretty much goes hiking as a part of healing and do some journaling and all of that. And I was really excited when we started talking about some of our good coping, because one of the things she talked about was um being empowered and working through trauma and working through some, some negative feelings.
3: Yeah, when you told me about it, I, I was I was so excited because I loved like all those things. I right. love hiking, I love writing. Um and as we recorded this interview, it was the week of their big event, We Hike to Heal, which is a part of the outdoor journal tour. Here's Kenya, the first voice you'll hear, and Michelle.
5: So Outdoor Journal for um, the Elevator Pitch goes one, two, three, is a hybrid health organization that combines the health benefits of outdoor activity with introspective journaling and mindful meditation. Um, and so that's what we, you know, that's kind of it in a nutshell. What we really do is we take women outside and we encourage them, to dig deeper into their personal development by using things like journaling, meditation, sister circle exercises, and guided conversations. Um, so just think like a tiny retreat. We Hike to Heal is kind of, um, all, of the, all of the things in the mission of the Outdoor Journal Tour, and that's basically um, just to kind of connect women to themselves, Um, to their communities and to the outdoors. Um, And with that, throughout the month of March, um, which also, of course, is Women's History Month, uh, Women's Wellness Month, Um, we thought it was a great time to do this. Um, uh, Basically, throughout the entire month, um, Kenya developed a a, kind of a curriculum, basically, Mm -hmm. the mindfulness resources um, that she sends out every week, kind of like journal prompts, exercises, um, different activities to kind to get you to, um, ask yourself some questions to do some, you know, introspection. Um, and then at the end of the month, the last Saturday of the month, March 30th, we have, um, basically is the, the highlight. New Hike to Heal Day is when all of our partners get together and they host their group hikes all on the same day, um, all across the country. So this year we have 36. Um, 36 We Hike the hill group hikes, 34 in the United States, and two in Canada. Um, And it's it's kind of like this really neat collective consciousness, Um, you know, all of these women and men coming together, um, you know, to empower women um, and to connect them to their community, connect them to themselves and um, to the outdoors.
3: So like I said, when I heard about this, I was very excited about it, and I decided to go. I woke up early on Saturday and made my way out to Stone Mountain. Um, the day started with Myrna Valerio, uh, a.k.a. the Myrna Vader, the woman behind the blog Fat Girl Runs and author of A Beautiful Work in Progress. And she was getting us all warmed up with exercises, had us saying hi to people we don't know. I'm
4: so jealous. I missed that. I would have loved to have met her.
3: Oh yeah, she was awesome. She gave a like a little motivational speech later, and it was pretty great.
4: Her whole Instagram is motivational.
3: It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I follow it. Um, yeah, we hiked up the the summit. We meditated. We did exercises like saying nothing but positive things about our lives for two minutes to a stranger, and then switching places, which I highly recommend because it's like rewarding and surprisingly difficult, or maybe not surprisingly. Um, then we meditated for a few minutes, and the weather was so lovely, and it was so wonderful, even though I got burned. I <laughs> <They're> did. <dead. laughs> we made body promises, promises to ourselves to treat our body better. And then we all wrote out um, our trauma or something that we had been working through, and then we read them all aloud at the same time, and you could read them at whatever volume you wanted, like quietly, loudly. Um, and it was really powerful. People were crying. Um and I think that is a great example of the power of writing something down and the difficulty, honestly, of, like, giving voice to something that maybe you for so long have not given a voice to. Kenya and Michelle spoke
5: about the value of journaling. I've been writing since I was 13. Um, fiction, nonfiction, journaling, you know, recounting my day. And what I, what I realized later in life was that just rereading and recounting what happened on those days and rereading those entries was something that was therapeutic for me. So I really liked going back and reading how I felt last week or reading how I felt yesterday. So in order for me to do that, I have to write something new today, right? Um, so that's, that was part of it for me. But, you know, as I got older, I also really enjoyed the idea of asking myself how I felt about things and being 100% honest about that. Right. Um, which we can't always do um, with with other people. Right. Um, sometimes we feel like we can't be 100% honest or we can't say exactly how we feel to others. But in your journal, you absolutely can't. I think what's interesting with journaling for me now is that I realize that I don't know that I think the things that I think until I write them down. Like somehow their subconscious, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if I'm, you know, if, if it's a journal prompt or if I'm just writing about how I'm feeling about something um, and I'm really just kind of, you know, free flowing um, and I go back, you know, and, and just read what I wrote and I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know that that's what it was, right, <laughs> you right. know, I thought it was something completely different. And, you know, here, you know, I'm discovering that, okay, you know, maybe this is a part of a a bigger thing, you know, a part of uh, you know childhood or past, um, you know, trauma or problem that I had that just kind of popped up in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really cool is once you start noticing that those patterns, um, you start to understand how you respond more, which is which is really interesting because. It's hard to stop yourself sometimes from responding the way that you naturally respond or your right. default, I guess. Right. Um, but you can't take away that awareness. And that awareness really pushes you to think like, okay, Michelle, is this really what you want to do? Or are you just, you know, kind of responding on autopilot? How do you really want to respond? Um, so I think it's really just helped me get in touch with that part of myself that I just wasn't privy to before.
3: We have some more of our interview, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
6: Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
4: We also asked Kenya and Michelle for advice around healthy coping skills in terms of dealing with a trauma.
5: My first mind is to say, like, if, if someone is, has experienced significant trauma, I think that the Even though it's not always a perfect system, I would definitely advise them to seek professional help, you know, definitely seek, you know, someone who is licensed and trained and do this for a living because we want to make sure that, um, people are getting the type of help that they need. Um, so in addition to that, if there is space in the schedule and space in the heart, I would say find something that feels good to you, um. You know, in my work with the different women that I work with, because I do do one on one sessions, I always tell them just because everybody is meditating right now, just because everybody's doing yoga, that doesn't mean that has to be your thing. You got to find something that works for you and something that feels good for you. And once you find something that feels good for you, do that thing. And do that thing, whether you have to do it by yourself, do that thing, um, even when you don't feel like doing it, like when you don't have the energy to do it do that thing anyway because you know that thing is going to be healing for you and that thing is going to be a positive um, interaction for you. I also would advise people to be honest about it, be as honest and transparent about what's going on with you as you possibly can. I think a big, big part of the reason why so many of us are suffering, especially from the anxiety that we are, is because we're not honest with our friends and family about how we feel. And it takes a crisis or a breakdown uh, or a dramatic weight loss or dramatic weight gain or, or something big and, and and public to happen before we're honest with people about how we've been feeling for a long time. And so I think letting people in is important. Um, Renee Brown who was, I'm a, I read a lot of her stuff, she says the shame cannot survive being spoken. a lot of us we carry the shame of the trauma that we've experienced with us because we feel like it's our shame and it is not. Most of the time, it is not our shame. It's things that have happened to us, not things that we have done and preparation of other people, so we shouldn't be carrying around that negative energy. Um, and I would say, you know, find a way to, to release it when you're ready, when you're ready too, because some of us need to hold on to that for a while because we feel like it's ours and you can't prematurely release something that you still want to hold on to, right? right? Um, but ultimately, you know, you got to find something to do that feels good for you. For myself, there are a lot of times where I can go out on a hike by myself and I get this you know huge adrenaline high and I'm in this beautiful place um, and I just am grounded again and I realize that you know I'm a part of this enormous ecosystem that is so big yet so small at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it really just puts things into per- into perspective for myself at least in the moment. you know of course, Something else will come out at some point, but right. it puts things in perspective for the moment for me, and I can kind of, you know, let out that deep breath and just, you know, relax into that space and just enjoy the beauty, enjoy the vastness, um, and you know, just understand that I am a part of a much larger thing. Um, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it's okay there's a lot of steps to finding a therapist, right? I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily hard per se, um, but it's not, it's simple, not easy, you know? But finding one that fits with you, finding one that, you know, maybe you have um, EAP, benefits with your job. So you get, I think it's, you know, most companies, it's like eight three sessions. No, it's not enough to, you know, work through all of your trauma, but it is a good place to start. Um, you know, there's a lot of emergency facilities. Um, there's, there's resources out there. Um, and sometimes it's just asking friends or family for help. So sometimes it's a situation where you need to ask your, you know, friend or family or coworker or someone that you trust, Um, for some help in finding the help that you need. Um, And that's perfectly, perfectly, perfectly okay too. I think, you know, it's really interesting because when people start sharing their uh, stories Mm -hmm. with um, their community, they realize that it's not just their story, Um, that a lot of people identify with their story in one way or another, or they have another version of that same exact story. and I think it really, it gives us a sense of, of belonging and it makes us realize that we are not alone, um, you know, and that the things, you know, that maybe we're not so happy or thrilled about, um, you know, it is something that other people have been through and have been able to change or improve or, or whatever.
3: Something else Kenya and Michelle are big proponents of and is a large part of their online materials is mindfulness.
5: You can bring mindfulness to any activity. It doesn't just have to be journaling and meditation. You can be mindful when you close your laundry. You can be mindful when you wash your dishes. You can be mindful, please be mindful when you're driving your car. <laughs> um, when you're talking to somebody, you can be mindful at any time. If you just kind of bring your attention to the here and now and focus completely your energy and your attention on the thing that you're doing, that is now a mindfulness task. So you don't have to go on a mountain and sit with us and journal and meditate. We hope that you will. But I think that if you bring more stillness and more attentiveness to your everyday activities, you'll find a, a slight decrease in the anxiety. If you're like, I am here right now, I am folding the clothes and that is what I'm doing. Um, instead of thinking I'm going to fold the clothes and i have to run to the gym, i have to go to the airport. And I'm going to, you know, if you can just kind of slow it down to be present for one thing at a time, I have found that in me, it definitely reduces some of the anxiety. We have a teachable school where we have different mindfulness resources and classes that are there. We've got the Journal of Mindful Movement, and we have something called the and the Grit, which is another guided journal. So we have all of these different things for women to tap into that are ready to kind of take the first step toward, you know, their personal development and their inner healing. And it's all on either www.outdoorjournaltour.com or org. Um, and we are at Outdoor Journal Tour on Instagram. And we just are looking to continue to grow the movement and increase the number of women who are involved. So if people like what they hear, what they heard today, if they felt like it resonated with them, we just really encourage you to join us on one of those platforms, sign up for a class, buy a journal, and put yourself first, you know, Um, and and do a little something different. Uh, Do a little something different to treat some of the things you might be dealing with.
3: We highly recommend checking them out. I had such a lovely and meaningful experience. Um, Also, after we hiked down the mountain, there was an after party with yoga and kayaking. So, super fun.
4: Yeah, as in fact, the Outdoor Journal Tour uh, is on Instagram right now, and you can actually see the different locations they have all over the country. They're starting to be countrywide. I love it.
3: Yeah, um, I think even they have some places in Canada. Oh, yeah, Um, you did say that. Yeah, and um, one thing I love about I uh, something uh, that was in that interview is find the thing that you love. like we've been talking a lot about journaling and hiking mm-hmm. and art. That doesn't have to be the thing for you. Right. Those are examples of good coping, but what you need to find or we would hope that you couldn't you can find something that is specifically works well for you that's That's the whole point of finding good coping is something that you can gives you joy and that you can stick to.
4: Yeah, as in fact, you heard Jessica talking about her doing different types of art as well as, you know, hiking and journaling. And and you heard Rebecca earlier, the series, who uh, actually took her trauma and put it into a play. And that was something therapeutic for her. So there's so many different outlets that we can do. And obviously, um, as we said, as you said earlier, Annie, not everyone can afford therapy. And so you have to figure out what is best for you. Um, and at least taking small steps, whether it's to do some type of outlet or um, having small conversations, all of that. Yeah,
3: for sure. And
4: speaking of outlets,
3: you and your D&D. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of outlets, all right, for the, the fact of the episode, uh, our group was doing a, a one-shot, which in theory should take One session, hence the name, makes sense. Yeah, it took like four because we we always take the longest route around. But one shots are a good example of letting um, someone else be the dungeon master, run the game, take on that responsibility for a little while, Um, and then it gives you room for more creativity because you know that this one shot is going to be over, like it's contained. Um, So long story short, because it is quite a long story, we stole all of this gold from a dragon which we clearly should not have done, and the dragon was mad. So mad. Uh, we got a bit of a head start, but there's no way we're going to outrun a dragon. Um, and also he had a tracker on us, which we couldn't find. And, Wait, this dragon was smart enough to put a tracker on you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, long story, but yes. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, and there was a timer. The The dungeon master, she had a timer counting down to when the, the dragon was going to find us based on distance. It was a whole thing. And we had one chance to escape. We were going to teleport away. Um, and we have one person in the group who can teleport, and he he rolls the dice, and he gets a one. Is that teleporting? A one. No. Oh. That's the opposite of teleporting. Oh, okay. That's the That's the equivalent of falling on your face and telling the dragon where you are. Um, so he rolls the one. The silence was deafening. Um, and yeah, because if you don't know, that's a critical failure. It's the worst you can get. So we failed, and the dragon burned the village we were trying to save, and we still don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> I was so <laughs> upset about these dead imaginary characters <laughs> wow. that we failed. Um, and on top of that, we could have, in theory, killed the dragon, but just as likely it would have killed us. Like. Three of us, three of the four of us were dead. The dragon was almost dead, maybe. Um, so we voted about the risk of it, uh, and it put a division in our group that Ooh. lasts to this day. It's like the the D and D version of Captain America's Civil War. Oh. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, no, we don't talk about it. And since I'm running the current campaign, I've got a massive guilt trip going. Uh, With a woman carrying around the ashes of the city that uh, we failed.
4: Nice. Yeah. I love a good guilt trip. Oh, I know. I do. It's so good. Yeah, I don't think I have much. I'm going to talk about the new things I'm trying, and it's coming onto your world. Yeah. So I try to play Portal 2. I know. And can we talk about the fact that immediately I turn the dang game on with my friend, and I immediately fall off a cliff. Like, that was the automatic and died. And I was like, what just (laughs) happened? I just picked up a remote or whatever, the controller. I called Mm -hmm. it a remote. This is how good I am about this. I don't like games. Yes, you do. But I'm willing to try it. (laughs) And so right now, I'm pouring all of my frustration into the fact that I do not have the hand-eye coordination to play with a controller. It sounds like your controller is a little sensitive. I hope so. I feel like I should be able to blame this thing because it was not a happy time. Portal 2 is fantastic. Ah, uh, well, we'll see. Stephen merchant. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. And the, uh, then little we'll get keep... Gladys, she's not oh, nice. Oh, Gladys is so funny. She's though. the worst. Well, yeah, but she's hilarious. Whatever. I am excited. Gladys can to go see. away. I'm trying
3: not to curse about it, okay? <laughs> I'm excited to see where this goes. <laughs> all right, all right. So, do you have any healthy coping mechanism listeners that you would like to share? If so, you can email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff. i am never told you. Samantha has been posting
4: stuff. It's been great. And you can talk to me. Please talk to me. Mm-hmm.
3: Or, you know, write to me.
4: I don't know. You
3: know, you know what we mean.
4: Communicate with me. <laughs> I'm lonely.
3: Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.